just realized that I have to walk on this side of the thing here coming up there. Otherwise, I will pick up the offering plate and look for Jack. I just, I just know I would. I'd stand there. Where's everybody at? Yeah, offering for Sunday school now. Alrighty. Romans chapter 14. Well, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not even a train. It's, it's great. <laughs> Romans 14. We left off verse 14. So everybody's here. Snacks have arrived. End of class. It's our word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for... Uh, the time we have, Lord, for this lesson this morning, Father, pray God you bless the lesson and uh, help me, Lord, to say the things I need to say, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What are things I want to say, necessarily? So we're talking about, we've been talking up to now about, uh, about what? Sometimes we'll be talking about, anybody know what we've been talking about? Romans 14. Romans 14, what have we been talking about so far? Scrumptious scruples. Scrumptious scruples, that's right. Thank you. We're into the part now where we're talking about Christian liberty, starting in verse 14. So we have all these things people believe, and this is important to them. They've got convictions or scruples, whatever it is they have, and, and they, don't, they think everybody should adopt their convictions. And we discussed that a lot, and we're still, still into that, but now we're kind of talking about Christian liberty. You know, I don't have to... To believe what he believes, I can believe this because I have Christian liberty, and it's not wrong. It's it's amoral. Remember that word? Nothing wrong in of itself. It's amoral, so I can do what I want to do. So here we have a church in Rome. Everybody wants to do what they want to do, but they all have feelings about I don't like him doing that. That offends me. So Paul's going to talk about a Christian liberty here. And don't get excited about Christian liberty because we still got to watch it. We still got to be careful. That's right. We have Christian liberty, but. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, and we'll talk about that. Verse 14 I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So we read earlier in this chapter of certain days and certain diets, and this was unclean, that was unclean, blah, blah, blah. Everybody had their own convictions about different things. So I'm persuading that there's nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth it, if it's unclean for me, then it's unclean for me. It's wrong when it's unclean for me, and you better not do it. That's when we have the problems, the, the strife. Paul, here in this examples that he gave of the diets and the days, he didn't put himself on either side of that. He's kind of in the middle there with his whistle saying, whoa, stop, you know. We've got to find a way to get along. Amen. We've got to find a way to get along. <clears throat> the Jews that were, that were saved out of Judaism we're still stuck in the law. They're still stuck in the festival days and all these things. And I don't know that that's wrong in and of itself, if they want to do it. But the Gentiles didn't have that. They might have had their own special days, but there was a lot of really bad conflict here, what people believed. They were in the same church. And um, 
they had to find a way to not worry about those things and keep the main mission in focus, which is serving God Amen. and spreading the gospel. <clears throat> so it was all a question of um, knowledge and personal liberty. When I talk about knowledge, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about people that, like Paul said, the weak in faith, those that have all the scruples. Is that because they don't have any knowledge? A little bit. Because they haven't read where they're free from that bondage. They haven't understood that you're not under that anymore. Break away from that. Amen. You know, you're not under that law anymore. I've liberated you from that bondage. But they still stay under that just by choice because that's the way they've always done it. So it was difficult to tell folks, you know, you can eat a, you can eat a burger. I mean, what's the big deal? They were still stuck in that, no, I can't. Because the law said this, and they were raised under that. So it was difficult. I wouldn't want to be the guy in the middle there trying to referee all that situation. You know, it would have been, been difficult. So it was a, a, a question of knowledge and personal liberty. And those had a conflict there. Paul tried to identify himself with the weak brother and try to convince him that... Um, Read your Bible, read the liberty that you have in Christ, and don't hang on to those things and drag them with you. They don't matter one whit about your salvation. Right. Why drag them around with you? Be free from that and enjoy some liberty in Christ. Christ died to give us liberty. Meets and days don't matter to your salvation. And if God loves you or not, it doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't have an impact on that. Paul wanted to project an attitude that said, whether or not the weak brother uh, can be taught not to hang on to these things, they should still be loved and esteemed. Like I mentioned, churches we've been in. When the first time you walk in there, boy, you know you're under scrutiny. What is she wearing? What is he wearing? What Bible do they have? Etc. Etc. You know, you're, you're scrutinized. You pass through this, you know, things in the grocery stores. You know, when you walk out, it beeps. How do I know that? Because I've seen people do that. <laughs> I've never done that. <clears throat> I've done that once when something didn't click, beep right or something. Boy, or it looks at you and you, <clears throat> you know, what do you do? Some of these churches have that thing there. When you walk in, they scrutinize everything about you. Oh, red light goes on. You know, you're you're not acceptable. You don't fit in. That's wrong. Amen. But churches do that. These hyper-spiritual people there, they want you to be like them. That's what they do. And Paul didn't want that to happen. Anybody that walks in there, no matter what they're wearing, pretty much, we need to esteem them. We need to welcome them and love them. Amen. Who's going to change them if they need to be changed? Amen. The Lord, Holy Spirit. Not us. Not me. But... Like I said, it's, it's, it's gotten to where that's a problem in, in, in some places. There's a problem back here. Yeah. Amen. There are people that believe things that are okay for the Christian, but they're not okay for some people. And we've got to accept that. We can't prefer them not because of what they believe or what they do. If it's scriptural or not unscriptural, who are we to judge them? 
You can't do it. Verse 15, but if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably. Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. When a weaker brother, uh, they can be grieved by when he sees another man do something that his own conscience forbids him to do, it may cause him pain because he thinks it's wrong. You may think, oh, I was surprised to see you in Burger King. It melted my heart. No, it was, you know, it's not wrong, but you've got to be careful what other people do, what other people think. The real damage occurs when a person that is, we'll call them weak just because the Bible does, uh, is because of somebody else is emboldened to do that thing too, then all of a sudden their conscience strikes them and then they're ridden with guilt and regret. I did that because so-and-so did it. I thought it was okay to do, but it wasn't okay for me. So it's, it's, it's real tentative sometimes. You've got to be careful. It's not as big of a deal today. It was a big deal back then in this church. Because you had the, the Jewish and the Gentile converts, and they had totally different backgrounds and totally different manners of life sometimes. And they had to, to meld that together to where they could be effective as a church. Now, walkest thou not charitably is a serious charge. Uh, what that is saying is you're not walking in love. Now, walkest thou not charitably. According to charity or love, he would violate the law which required him to sacrifice his own comfort to promote the happiness of a brother. Well, I ain't doing that. He's got to just get over it. They don't get over it sometimes. So we have to watch that. We have to be careful with ourselves. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Philippians 2, 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So we've got to consider everybody else. Destroy not him with meat for whom Christ died died you know the fruit of a loveless attitude is that people get hurt look at first corinthians chapter 8 verse number 10 first corinthians chapter 8 verse number 10 for if any man see thee which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple. What kind of knowledge are we talking about? Knowledge that it isn't immoral to eat there. You have knowledge of that. You understand what you're doing. You, you believe you're right. You don't have a conviction against eating this meat because you know it's not, an idol is just a dumb thing, okay? So any man which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. How serious is this? It's pretty serious back then. If you do something that someone else says, well, 
I don't believe it's right, but this guy here has been saved longer than me. If he does it, it must be okay. And then they, they suffer. Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I feel bad about it. I'm guilt-ridden. So he's warning us that that's sin if you do that, knowingly and intentionally. Okay? That's the key words. Verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. Let not your good, that which you esteem to be right, in your own mind, which is right in your own mind, there's nothing wrong with it, it's amoral, okay, there's nothing, uh, for example, Gentiles are not bound by this ceremonial law, but the Jews may get offended because they don't participate, or they don't acknowledge it, or they don't recognize it or something, uh, that they're free from the yoke of bondage. The liberty which you esteem to be good, and it is so, you should not make use of it to injure others. You understand that? We're using our liberty to make use of it to harm others. We have some good friends that are, are vegetarian. I got over that when I was a young kid. Um, but... They come to our house all the time and eat. And, and before, I was real careful. I'd eat something other than meat. But then, you know what? I got over it and asked them, would you mind if I had meat? Especially if we went out or something. They were okay with that. They didn't like meat, didn't like the, didn't like the look of it, didn't like the smell of it. But I don't like fish. I don't like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I don't like any of that stuff. But, you know, we, I, I understood it because I, I don't want to offend you. But would you mind? Because we're we're different, and they're okay with that. You know, they're they're of the world. They they know what a burger is. They know what you know. They know where it comes from. But they eat grass, so it's okay, really. I'm I'm you know what I mean. So I don't feel too bad. It's kind of a circle thing, anyways. But I I I wanted to make sure that I that I wasn't going to offend them with my liberty. And they were fine. They weren't. They were kind of surprised that I would even bring it up. So, well, I just, I just want to make sure that you know we're together. I don't want to, you know, I know you guys don't eat meat, and uh, they'd be offended if I didn't eat vegetables but ate meat. And they were okay because I'm offended by your vegetables. <laughs> so, anyways, and tofu. <laughs> tofu. So let not your good be evil spoken of. Listen, uh, don't let your, your right to do something be, be evil spoken of. Be evil spoken of means blasphemed. Don't use your Christian liberty as an occasion to purposely hurt others. Verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God, Christianity and this church, is not meat and drink. And you can plug in whatever ounce you want to in there. That's right. It's not dress. It's not appearance. You know, it's all inside the heart here. It's not your outward as a lot of people want to, want to make it be. And that's what they judge you on. Uh, it's not your past. Rahab, the great-great-grandmother of Jesus, you know, that's right. what I'm saying. So we have to keep those in mind. 
For the kingdom of God does not consist in observing outward and indifferent things like distinctions between meats and drinks. When a church is so preoccupied with indifferent things, that church becomes ineffective. The biggest thing we feared sometimes going to church in these certain churches, they were in Germany where we didn't have anywhere else to go, was the judgment, was the looks, was the, you know, from people that didn't think we measured up to them. I can tell you that most of the folks that we were afraid of are out of the ministry. Now, right, out of church. They're done. You know, they just flame out, and that's over. You can't keep that up forever. That's right. That constant strife and stirring things up about immaterial things, silly things. And then you forget what you're in church for, and it's all about what's going on around you with people, how they're, what are they doing, what are they feeling, what are they looking like. That's terrible, and they flame out because mm-hmm. they lose sight of Christ. Seen it too many times. It is true that by these things the Jews have been particularly characterized. The Gentiles thought they were strange because they had all these things that they didn't do or did do, that they didn't do. They they characterized them. But the church has to be distinguished in a different manner. It has to be by the, the love of God, spreading the gospel, serving Christ. It's not what members did or didn't do, but how they serve God. That's what we need to focus on. We need to serve God. But righteousness, pardon from sin and holiness of the heart and life, and peace in our soul from receiving God's mercy and the word of God, and joy in the Holy Ghost, spiritual happiness is brought unto the soul by the Holy Spirit and is maintained there. Righteousness without sin, peace without turmoil, joy without any kind of mental agony and distressing fear. Church is about that. If you can't walk in with the purpose of serving God and serve God without having to worry about behind you and the gossiping and you know. Verse 18, for in these things, for he that is in these things serve Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. What are these things? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Those three things. serve with Christ, obeys Christ, who commanded them. A Christian that does this will regard uh, these things uh, that bring honor to Christ, not detract from the spirit of the church. That's what Paul was dealing with there. Acceptable to God, whether they be of Jewish or Gentile background. They've got to keep their focus on that. So they had to strife there at this church. Verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify one another. Edify. Object verse is to persuade the church at Rome to lay aside their differences and their contention. Lay it aside. Leave it home. You know, take it up when you're back in your own castle. Leave those things aside. So Paul had been talking about this for a while in his last several verses here. And so this verse here is kind of his conclusion to the argument. Leave it home, so to speak. Don't bring it to church. 
the things that make for peace, the higher purposes of Christianity. Not the smaller matters. The smaller matters get most of the attention sometimes, don't they? Uh, I ran a maintenance shop for, well, almost 40-something years, Army and, and WTA, 43 years. And it was the little things that got all the attention. The little things, you know? Um, Guys come in here, this isn't starting, so if it don't start, it must need it, must mean it needs batteries. Well, the batteries are good, must need an alternator. Well, it must need, oh, now it needs a whole harness. All it needed was a little bit of corrosion cleaned off. It's the little things. My guys would, you know, look at, oh, it won't start automatically, especially in the Army. Batteries. Oh, now starter, now alternator, now this. You know, you spend $4,000 on a tractor, and you can't get a dumb thing to start, and all you got to do is a little bit of crocus cloth and a little bit of corrosion off there, and it fires right up. It's the little things that we ignore and focus, you know, we're into the big stuff here. The things which make for peace. Smaller matters produce strife and disharmony. There are great objectives for all Christians. We can unite, we can unite on these things, serving for, uh, for striving for holiness, Amen. spreading the gospel. Helping others. These things make for peace. If we're busy doing those things there, we don't have time for this piddly stuff, do we? Shouldn't have. If you do, you're not busy enough. That's right. But Christians have more things in which they agree than in which they disagree. Some things we can't agree on. They're not immoral, they're amoral, but we don't like it. You might, that's okay. Sometimes we have to agree to Disagree. That's not saying either one's wrong. It's saying we don't agree with that. We're not going to judge you for doing it. You're not going to judge us for not doing it, but we agree that there's nothing wrong with doing it, but we just don't do it. We don't prefer it. That's everyday life, isn't it? May edify. The word edify means to build. Like building a house or to rebuild or reconstruct. And then do what with that building? Decorate it. Or paint it. Make it look great. That's edifying. We're supposed to do that with each other. Build each other up. Edify each other. Do anything that will help your fellow Christian. That's edifying. Teaching, counsel, advice, whatever it is, to help people, not judge them. You know, brother, if you'd uh, cut your hair... Folks would, uh, would like you better. That's not edifying. No. It's judging. Right. See? So people have to be careful with that. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Acts chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 31, last page. <clears throat> then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified in walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. That's where we want to be. All these churches were edified, walking in fear of the Lord. In the comfort of the Holy Ghost were what? 
Did they split up and go their different ways? No, they were multiplied. Amen. They were effective. God bless that. Verse 20, For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. When does my hamburger become a weapon? Might have to get a concealed carry for a cheeseburger. You know, I mean, it's when does that happen? When does it become a weapon? When I use it wrong. Yes. Hey, vegetarian, hold up a big steak. You know, every dog in town would be there with me. You know, <laughs> get this guy. That's a weapon when you use it to intimidate folks or make fun of them or something else. That's Amen. when it's wrong. That's right. Amen. And verses 14 and 15 ex express the same thing. This is a, a different way of saying it. But if we do certain things, and eating in days are just an example, we can't do them under circumstances that might jeopardize our brethren. You don't have to ask everybody you're around. We have a bar barbecue at church and they come, hey, are you, uh, you against meat? I say, yeah, I'm against salmon. I don't think salmon's good to eat. <laughs> well, I don't tell anybody that. I just don't eat it. But I think it's wrong, brother. <laughs> Take yours. Fish are, <laughs> fish are wrong. <laughs> no. Does everybody kind of get what I'm getting at here? What Paul's yeah. getting at? Amen. Okay, good. Let's look at verse 21. It is neither, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine. Now I'm getting close to home. Uh, nor anything whereby their brother stumbleth or is offended or made weak. I'm not going to discuss wine. Some Christians think it's okay to drink wine. I ain't one of them. Because what's inside of wine? Alcohol. So, but some people think it's fine. Good, just don't do it around me. And they won't. Because I don't want to be there when they do it. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm kind of... I don't know that it's scripturally wrong. I'm not going to study that right now. But it's wrong for me, and it would offend me if someone did it. Because I'd say, man, I, you know, I, I thought you were a real spiritual guy. And he says, oh, I am. <laughs> All the spirits I need right here. You know, so it's, it's one of those areas where we've got to be careful how we approach things. Am I going to judge him for that? I hope not. Is he going to judge me because I don't? Hope not. But um, I'm going to sit down with somebody at a restaurant. They order wine. I'm not going to stay there. I just, well, i got a scruple about that. And I'm going to take my Mountain Dew and go home or something, you know, whatever it is. Some <laughs> folks have a conviction against Mountain Dew. I don't know. It is neither good to eat flesh nor drink wine or anything. He kind of broadens this thing out. Not anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. So here's our Christian liberty, and now I just bound you up with duct tape. Well, I got the liberty, but I can't use it. You can. What's the Bible telling us? Be careful. Don't offend folks just because you can, just because you can do something. Don't offend them. A lot of verses for the same easy lesson. But he says anything here in verse 21. That, that really encompasses anything. Let me look at verse number 22. 
Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. So, if we have these convictions, these scruples and everything we have and these beliefs, and we believe firmly in them, and then we do them, we've condemned ourselves. And there's a name for that. It starts with an H. Hypocrite. Don't do that. I don't do that. Well, I'm against that. Then I do that. I've hurt somebody, including myself. If I don't believe what I believe then there's a problem with something there. you got to believe what you got to believe. you got to be firm in that. This is what I believe. That's why there's a difference back in the 70s and 80s when we were talking about all these convictions and preferences. There's a difference between a conviction and a preference, between a scruple and something. You know, I'm not going to die because I'm not going to do this. I may have a preference. I may change my preference. Anybody change preferences over your lifetime? Yes. Yeah, we have. Is that wrong? Depends on what the change is. Uh, no, it's just that you, we grow and we learn and we, I don't have a conviction against that anymore. Uh, it doesn't bother me anymore. Am I growing liberal? No, I just see the light. It's not important enough to worry about. That's where it's at. If you're concerned with everybody, how they dress, act, look, whatever else you want to plug in there, if that's what you're concerned about more, you need to get over that and grow. That's what Paul's trying to say. It's not wrong to discuss differences of opinions. But when it detracts, and when that becomes the only thing we're talking about in the church, then we've got a problem. <clears throat> I think all these churches we were in, in Germany, I think the people that caused the problems were the people like me. Sunday school teachers or other men in the church, the pastor wouldn't take a stand either way. So people did. And then it got bad because there was these cliques. You deal with different groups and then you're in the, I wear this group or I don't wear this group. I don't, you know, you're in these groups and then you're, and then there's disharmony. Then the next thing you know, there's a, been through that too many times. So, and what does that do for the church? Nothing. Who's happy about that? Satan. Mm -hmm. Who gets in there and causes this stuff? Satan. Verse 23 and he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He that doubteth is not fully convinced in his mind with a clear conscience, uh, or in this case, different diets, whatever it is. Uh, if you're not fully convinced of that in your own mind, you've got to be careful what you do. We were in churches when we were younger, <laughs> younger, many moons ago. We've been Christians for over 45 years, both of us have. She's a Christian longer than I have. We've seen a lot of stuff, and when we were younger, we used to 
it, we, young Christians, and, and we were wanted to do right, but we got caught up in these things sometimes because that's what everybody was doing. Everybody believed that. So we kind of thought, well, that's what we're supposed to believe. Ignorant on our part yes. because we didn't know. That's what Paul was dealing with here. We didn't know. We got caught up in this thing. Well, that guy or that person is wrong. And some of the older guys, we don't want them here because they will destroy the church. And they were Christians, and they had their Christian liberty, but people were worried about them destroying the church because they were different. They weren't different. They just had liberty, and they, they enjoyed it. They didn't do anything wrong, but people's reception to that was wrong, and they were like, oh, no, we've got to get them out of here. And they did. They weren't going to change them. They were too strong of a Christian enjoying their liberty. They didn't have any, any issues about things, but people in the church were afraid of them. Been there. You may have seen it in your life. People are afraid. Uh, especially in Germany where all these military guys come and they're from all kinds of different churches, mm -hmm. independent Baptist churches. They come to one place here and then everybody, all the men, all the women, want to change everything. Now our church taught this back in North Carolina. We taught this back here. Our church taught this and they want to bring their old church with them to Germany. And we had a lot of problems, a lot of strife. And one pastor was, was strong, our second tour. First tour, the guy was weak. And we got walked on. Everybody got walked on. He didn't, he didn't stand up, up to this. He didn't say, this is this church, this is what we believe. If we would have done that, things would have been different. Or we don't snipe everybody. We don't accuse everybody. So it takes a strong man of God to, to, to see this happening and step in and say, this is what... It is. Our second tour, we had that. People brought their baggage with them, but he wouldn't allow them to coerce him or change him the way he was preaching. He said, no, this is what we do here. There's other churches you can go somewhere else. You know, That's what he had to do because he'd seen that. He'd been there for 40-something years. He'd seen that. All these military guys coming, and they all had strong beliefs, scruples even. They had a bag of them to church. You know, they'd bring them with them. And they said, our church, we're not used to doing this. Get used to it. So that's what I think Paul's trying to deal with is, is everybody being distracted so much by meaningless things. So all these opinions arise. And there's nothing wrong with different opinions and discussing these things. They just don't let it take over the church. The important thing is, is, do you love Jesus and you want to serve him? Amen. And a church can't go forward if you don't. If all of us don't do it in unison. It's not about me or thee. It's about him. Amen. That's what Paul's trying to get these guys kind of back on the railroad tracks to see. Get them going again here. Lay aside your strife and your contentions. Don't forget Jesus, what he did for you. Now I'm going to just tap into chapter 15. I've got a few minutes left. So the first 13 verses of chapter 15 continue the argument of chapter 14. So half of chapter 15 is talking about chapter 14. Uh, and what he does, Paul kind of summarizes his arguments that he already presented in chapter 14. 
And then he follows by a special appeal to the example of Christ later on in this chapter and is concerned uh, about the scriptures and uh, really wants to, to impress on these folks peace and joy of believing. And he kind of concludes this, this section we've been uh, dis discussing here. And with verse number 14 of chapter 15, uh, it kind of starts into the final section of his epistle. Paul writes a number of personal things concerning himself and his plans and reasons for his hopes of coming at last to Rome. That's where Paul wanted to go, to Rome. He got there, chained up. But he wanted to go there and visit and, and love this church, be a part of it, and not take it over, but just, just be there, but then use it for a launching pad to go where? Spain. Spain. That's where he wanted to go. So his plans, his reasons for coming there. And he requests later on in this chapter for Christians to pray for him. Help me to get to Rome so I can go where I feel led to go. And it's kind of a, a personal section. Uh, Paul also deals with something that's really heavy on his heart. Something really important to him, and that's the Christians in Jerusalem. They were undergoing some terrible things. They were under oppression. Paul wanted to have this offering, meet their needs, help them in Jerusalem. And he was talking about that. And he talks about uh, aiding the saints in Jerusalem and the principles upon which he has based his campaign for this collection He's going everywhere trying to get, collect for these saints in Jerusalem. And that being the duty of Christians to share with their needy brethren. And the obligation of those who having received the spiritual benefits of the folks in Jerusalem, those Jews, what spiritual benefits did they receive from Jerusalem, from the Jews there, Christian Jews? What did they receive from there? Salvation. That's where it all started. So they received those spiritual Jews in, in Jerusalem were the ones that spread the gospel. Amen. Okay, so we have an obligation to those that enlightened you. And we're, Paul says we're, we're debtors to those who taught us the truth. So we'll discuss this starting next week, chapter 15, and we'll learn a little bit more about Paul and uh, what he's talking about here about this offering. My word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for the lesson. Father, pray God you bless Pastor Z preachers. Lord, pray God you bring visitors this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.